Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapter 7 and 8 on the patience and waiting that took place in Noah's ark and the fear Noah had in being forgotten. But it ended when God said in Genesis 8, 1, and God remembered Noah. Now, we want to encourage you to download this message today at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. Download or listen to all the messages from Friendship with God and Tom Cantor for free at our website, again, friendshipwithgod.org. And also, you can download the iTunes podcast of Friendship with God and get all the messages free on iTunes.com. Just search for the Friendship with God podcast. Now, Passover will soon be here as well as Easter. And Tom Cantor has incredible teaching on the personal relevance of the Passover from Exodus 12 and Isaiah 53. We want to encourage you to pick up this teaching on the Passover to give to any Christian or to a Jewish unbeliever at Passover time to help them see the truth and evidence of the scriptures in who the Messiah really is. Now, if you've never really studied the Passover and the importance of someone having their own personal lamb and the Jewish customs behind the Haggadah, we want you to pick up the personal relevance of the Passover from Tom Cantor. This teaching is yours and available for a gift of $20 or more to the Friendship with God radio program. We'll send this to you. So call us now or after the program at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Now here's Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher. Let's start in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for your word this morning. What would we do if we didn't have the words of God recorded and given to us? We thank you for this precious gift. Open our hearts. Teach us, precious Holy Spirit. Guide us this morning into all truth, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In Genesis chapter 8, we'll start with verse 1. And God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth, and the waters were assuaged. The fountains also of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped, and the rain from heaven was restrained. And the waters returned from off the earth continually, and after the end of 150 days, the waters were abated. And the ark rested in the seventh month, on the seventeenth day of the month, upon the mountains of Ararat. And the waters decreased continually until the tenth day and the tenth month, on the first day of the month, were the tops of the mountain scene. And it came to pass at the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made and he sent forth a raven which went forth to and fro until the waters were dried up from off the earth. Also he sent forth a dove to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the earth. But the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot and she returned unto him into the ark for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. Then he put forth his hand and took her and pulled her in unto him unto the ark. And he stayed yet other seven days. And again he sent forth the dove out of the ark, and the dove came into him in the evening. And lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. So Noah knew that the waters were abated from off the earth. And he stayed yet other seven days and sent forth the dove, which returned not again unto him anymore. And it came to pass in the 601st year, in the first month, the first day of the month, the waters were dried up from the face of the earth. And Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. And in the second month, on the seventh and twentieth month, was the earth dried. 
And God spake unto, Mo, unto Noah, saying, Go forth of the ark, thou and thy wife, and thy sons and thy sons' wives with thee. Bring forth with thee every living thing that is with thee of all flesh, both the fowl and cattle, and that creepeth upon the earth, that they may breed abundantly in the earth, and be fruitful, and multiply upon the earth. And Noah went forth and his sons, and his wife, and his son's wife with him. Now, when I just read this passage, I tried to emphasize certain parts, just to bring out a certain focus, an emphasis that's here in this passage. So when you step back and you look at an over, as an overview of this passage, let me just kind of reread some of those parts again, and then I'm going to ask you what's being emphasized. So verse 3, at the end of 150 days, the waters were abated. Verse 4, the water, the ark rested in the seventh month on the 17th day of the month. Verse 5, waters decreased continually until the 10th month. In the 10th month, the first day of the month, were the tops of the mountains seen. Verse 6, at the end of 40 days. Verse 10, he stayed yet other seven days. Verse 11, he stayed yet other seven days. Verse 13, it came to pass in the 601st year, the first month, the first day of the month. Verse 14th, in the second month, on the 7th, 20th day of the month. All right, so from what those, pa- those parts that I just read, what's the emphasis? It's time. It's just all about time. What happened when, how long it was that, that, it, that this took and that that took. And because God has gone to so much trouble to put those dates for us and those periods, it means that we're supposed to focus on that. We're supposed to, to look and concentrate on not only what happened, but how long everything took. So we need to carefully note the different phases of the flood and imagine Noah and his family sitting in that ark and carefully recording and counting the days of each one of the phases. Phase one, Genesis 7:10, the calm before the storm. That lasted seven days. So, so far we have T equals seven. Our total time is seven days. Phase two, Genesis 7, 11, and 17, the storm days. That lasted 40 days. So now we have T equals 47, 47 days. Phase three, Genesis 7, 18 through 24, to the end of the chapter, the steady rain phase, the continual rain, the rain without stop. That lasted 110 days. Now we are at T equals 157 days. Phase 4, which is our chapter 8, verses 1 through 5, which is the ark settles. And during this time when the ark is settled on Mount Ararat, we have the water stopping. We have the tops of the mountain seen. This is a period, when you work it off, this is a period that works out to 68 days plus 40 days, or 108 days. So now we are at T equals 265 days. Phase 5, Genesis 8 through 6 through 14, is the opening of the window, the bird experiments, and the drying of the earth. That's 14 days of of experiments plus an additional 55 days for the earth to dry out. That's 69 days. So now we are at T equals 334 days, just in case you're wondering. Now, just picture yourself being on the ark for that period of time. And it was all very exciting when you entered into the ark, right? But you know what? It wasn't. God was not saying to you, if you're getting on the ark, God wasn't saying to you, well, welcome aboard. (laughs) I know you'll be very interested, so here's a copy of your day-to-day itinerary. 
<laughs> he didn't do that. And they didn't get that. And they didn't know that. And that was because you just did not know what was going to happen next. And you didn't know how long what was going to happen next was going to last. You didn't know. You just didn't know. And each face was, you, there were two ways you could look at it. You could say, oh no, what next? Or you could say, this is an exciting adventure. Kind of like how you feel when you're strapped into a roller coaster. But <laughs> first phase is interesting. Because that's seven days when nothing happens. All right? It's not an easy wait. I mean, you know, you get on the ark, you're expecting a flood. No flood comes. Right? That's not just easy. You just sit there for seven days. You don't know how long you're going to be sitting there. And, uh, you know, finally when things start to happen, you say, okay, well, you know. <laughs> Reminds me of the couple, have you heard of this, the one, the, one of those cities in the tornado corridor of Oklahoma. And, and one year there are so many tornado warnings and so many sirens and they same routine they rush and down into the storm cellar they wait and wait and wait and finally they get the all clear they come out no damage it was just getting old every time the same thing they'd hear the sirens they go down into the cellar they wait they hear the all clear they throw the door open and the tornado just didn't cause any damage it went over and over again one time just like in the past the sirens go off they rush into the cellar they wait they have time they throw open the doors and they look and there's not a building or a tree standing. Everything's been demolished. And the husband turns to the wife and says, now that's what I expect when I throw the doors of the storm cellar open. <laughs> well, finally, after seven days, you turn and you say, now that's what I expect when I get into the ark to protect me from the flood. So the flood starts. Now, next comes the next 40 days in the second phase that says the windows of heaven are broke up and the great fountains, the windows of heaven are open, and the great fountains of the deep are broke up. Massive water geysers, we can only imagine. And again, you have no idea how long that's going to last. So after the 40th day, you, you think, okay, that's over. And then comes this long period of 110 days with rain that never lets up. There's no stop to this rain. And so what do you do? You do what you've been doing before. You wait. Now, in all of this, as you're on the ark, there's one thing that you must have if you're going to make it, and that's the quality of patience. You must have patience. Going into the ark, if you're going into the ark, that's like being saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. A cousin and I were talking the other day, and he was telling me about getting married. He's my twin cousin. He's, he's not my twin cousin. He, he has a twin. And so his other brother, his twin brother, never got married. My cousin was, got married. It's his second marriage. So my uncle says he got married for both of them. But anyway, <laughs> he, say, he was telling me, he said, this is, the, this is the most important decision to make in life, he was telling me. And I said, no, it's not. I said, getting married is actually the second most important decision you make in life. The first most important decision you make in life is whether or not you will make the Lord Jesus Christ your God and your Savior. Well, we heard already this morning about Isaiah 53. In Isaiah 53.10, it speaks about making the Lord Jesus Christ the Savior of our lives, written over 500 years before he came. But it uses this phrase. It says, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. When you make his soul your offering for your sin, it says, then he'll see his seed. 
Now, that is speaking about a specific time. A specific time in our lives referred to the time when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. That's the Isaiah 53.10 time of our lives, the time of salvation. I remember my Isaiah 53.10 time of salvation when I made his soul an offering for sin. That was in September of 1970. That's when I followed Pastor Han as he led me in the sinner's prayer. That was my Isaiah 53 time when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. And I knew that something foundational changed in my life. I didn't know what, and I didn't know, I didn't know very much at all. But I knew there was something very special about what, it, something special happened when I made the Lord Jesus Christ my offering for my sin. Something changed, but I didn't realize how foundational it would be. That's why Isaiah 53 10 goes on to say that after that, he shall see his seed. In other words, when a person makes the Lord Jesus Christ his offering for sin, then God looks at that person and said, that's my seed. That's the seed of God. So making the Lord Jesus Christ the, the offering for sin is how it's referred to God seeing his seed. In another place in John, it's referred to being born a second time, born again. That's like the time of entering the ark. Noah's family and his family, they enter this salvation ark. It's like when we're saved. We fled to the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. He's our ark of salvation. And as with Noah and his family, God, again, did not, does not give us an itinerary of everything that's going to happen to us in our lives. He promises it will be an adventure, though. He says in 2 Timothy 3.12, Yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That's an adventure. And it was brought out this morning also in Psalm uh, that um, Brother Jacob brought up, how many times God delivered Israel. And that's what it says in Psalm 106.43. Many times did he deliver them. Many times did he deliver them. What's that mean? Many times they got in trouble. What's that mean in our lives? Many times we get in trouble, but many times he delivers us. So as with Noah and his family, what they needed was patience. What we need is patience if we're going to make it. In Hebrews 12.1, it speaks about this patience, and it says that we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, that we are to lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. In other words, set us off to the side. And then it says, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So Noah and his family, they were tempted. You know, it's, I mean, the questions naturally, if you were on the ark, would come up, you know, it's been such a long time on this ark. Will we ever see dry land again? That's a natural question. You know, has God forgotten us? You know, will he save, really save us alive? And that fear of being forgotten on the ark was so strong that chapter 8, verse 1 starts by addressing that when it says, And God remembered Noah. Has God forgotten us? And God remembered Noah and everything in the cattle that was with him in the ark, and God made the wind to pass over. 
We'll return with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, on Friendship with God in just a moment. We'd like to encourage you to sign up for Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse. It's available for free, signing up with your email by going to friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also donate online at friendshipwithgod.org to support this Bible teaching radio program. You can also call us now or after the program with your support and donation at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. It'll help us to continue airing on this station in your city. You can also call us for a free gift for a lost Jewish friend that you know that needs to be reached with the gospel. Tom Cantor and Israel Restoration Ministries will give you a free gift to reach your lost Jewish friend, and that's made available by your donations and your support, but we'll provide that free if you have a lost Jewish friend that needs to be reached with the gospel. Call us at 800-247-3051. We're supposed to, to look and concentrate on not only what happened, but how long everything took. So we need to carefully note the different phases of the flood and imagine Noah and his family sitting in that ark and carefully recording and counting the days of each one of the phases. And again, you have no idea how long that's going to last. So after the 40th day, you, you think, okay, that's over. And then comes this long period of 110 days with rain that never lets up. There's no stop to this rain. And so what do you do? You do what you've been doing before. You wait. And as with Noah and his family, God, again, did not, does not give us an itinerary of everything that's going to happen to us in our lives. He promises it will be an adventure, though. He says in 2 Timothy 3.12, Yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That's an adventure. So for those times in the ark, when Noah and his family were wondering, are we really going to be saved from this flood? What did they have to rely on? What kept them? What was their stay? What sustained them? What was their assurance? They had, first of all, a command from God, given in Genesis 7-1, when the start of that chapter. The Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark. And for the hard times in our lives, what do we have to rely on for assurance? We have a command from God in Acts 16, 31. And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. Now, not only did Noah have a command from God, he also had a promise from God. What was that? God had emphasized to Noah that he would keep alive himself and also those that were with him if they went in the ark. That was in Genesis 6, where he said in 18, But with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark. And in verse 19, he speaks about bringing the two of every kind, and he said, To keep them alive with thee. And then in verse 20, he again emphasized to keep them alive. That's just like Noah, that we have a promise of God about life. That's the whole emphasis of John 14 through 16, John 3, 16, John 3, 14 through 16, where he speaks about, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. 
This phrase is a promise that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the phrase that's repeated in the next verse of John 3.16. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's a promise. And so that's what Noah had in the ark. Noah had not only the command of God, but Noah had the promise of God. And from the time that Noah entered into the ark until Noah left the ark, there's no record of God speaking to Noah. The only, what we have, as far as God speaking to Noah, we have Genesis 7-1, where it says, And the Lord said to Noah, Come thou, into, come thou and all thy house into the ark. And then details about who else was to come, the animals. Now, that's the last recorded word that God spoke to Noah, that we have. The next time that God speaks to Noah is 334 days later, which is a long time, in Genesis 8, 15 through 16. The next thing he hears is it says, And God spake unto Noah, saying, Go forth of the ark. So he starts off, Come thou into the ark. The next, time he, next word he hears from God, Go forth from the ark. So those were the words. Now, Noah had no word from God. No new word from God in the meantime. How was Noah... I mean, you would have thought that in the midst of this, not an enjoyable experience to be on the ark, that God would be speaking and the Lord said, don't worry, keep going. We don't have any record of that. So how was Noah able to sustain himself during this time? Noah sustained himself by holding on to and remembering the command of God and the promise of God that he had received. That's the only thing that Noah had to cling to. That was the word of God to Noah. And he clung to that. And we could just picture Noah during those rough times of the storm. That's the first problem, the storm. And then there was the rough times of it's never going to end for those hundreds of days. That's the next problem, when the patience was tried. And during those times, we can imagine how the devil would speak to Noah and say to Noah, you don't really think that God is going to remember you. I mean, look how long it's been. I mean, you're just, just, what are you? You're just another piece of wood floating in this mass of water. And the devil would remind Noah, you know what you are? You're just bobbing around, surrounded by death. There's just, you're just floating in a water of death. You're floating in a grave. And these kind of thoughts, the whole world is covered with water. You're never going to see dry land again. And those thoughts, when those thoughts would come and threaten Noah and threaten his family, we can see Noah saying to himself, I remember God's word to me. God told me to get on the ark and I obeyed God. He won't forget me. Noah would say, I remember God's word to me when he said, I'm establishing my covenant with you. He won't forget me. Noah would say, I remember God's word to me when he said to come into the ark and everybody would be kept alive in the ark. He won't forget me. So this pattern of imagining Noah sitting there saying to himself, I remember God's word. I remember God's word. I remember God's word. To help Noah through those tough times, during those long times, with no new word from God coming, Noah held on to, or he clung to, the words that God had given to him at the beginning. That's our picture. 
That's exactly what we do. In our lives, we see ourselves as Noah. And sometimes we go through 40 days of storm days. You know, like when the doctor says, you have cancer. Let me tell you, that was a storm day. And what do we do? What do we do? What, do we, what did Noah do? Noah did not just remember the Word of God. Noah clung to the Word of God. Another great day of Bible teaching here with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. We want to encourage you to pray for our upcoming Summer Blitz campaign to reach lost Jewish people around the U.S. in 17 different cities. This is our fourth year of doing this, and we want you to be a part of it with prayer, but also to help us to reach lost Jewish people. If you have a lost Jewish friend that needs to be reached with the gospel, you can sign up for a free gift to send to a lost Jewish person at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org to have a gift sent directly to them or to have one sent to you to give to them. You can also donate to support Jewish evangelism and getting gospel gifts sent to Jewish people through our Summer Blitz and also through our website and supporting this program. You can donate online at friendshipwithgod.org. Help continue this Bible teaching radio program and Jewish evangelism going. Again, donate online at friendshipwithgod.org or calling us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. We also want to encourage you as Passover is approaching that Tom Cantor has outstanding teaching on the personal relevance of the Passover from Exodus chapter 12 and Isaiah 53. And it's all from the view and perspective of a Jewish born-again saved Christian and from the Old Testament. It's tremendous teaching on the passion of the Passover lamb for the Jewish people and Jesus Christ for us today. And it's a great gift to give to any Christian at Easter time, and especially for a Jewish person searching for the truth and evidence of who the Messiah is at Passover time. So please call us now and get the personal relevance of the Passover teaching from Tom Cantor. For a donation of $20 or more, we'll get this to you. 800-247-3051. Your donation will help support this Bible teaching radio program. Stay on the air. So give us a call for the personal relevance of the Passover at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051.